Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Gerald is here, of course, with you. One P, and I got to bring on my guest P, my co-host this week. And this is a dude that I can't even, I don't even really even know what to say. I love this guy so much. He was really one of the first people that I ever connected with about six years ago when I started podcasting. And we've remained friends. I've met him in real life. We've we work together during live stream for the cure and he's always coming over to two peas at least two or three times a year and since i brought the show back from the hiatus uh this is the first time i've been able to get this guy back on the show but he's here tonight nick from nikolai's kitchen what's up brother welcome back man god i miss you yeah it's too so good, to good. Be true. yeah so so good to be back on the peas uh, yeah it's been it's been a hot minute but you know i mean i'm i'm i mean i can speak for a lot of people i think when I say that, you know, happy that the show is back, happy to hear, you know, you haven't missed a step. You literally haven't missed a step since, since you took your hiatus and came back. And, you know, the show is, is as good as ever it was, at least the ones I listened to, but you know, then you do those other topics where I'm just like, go away, Gerald, click, delete, (laughs) goodbye. The entire entire month of October, pretty much. uh, I I did listen to the October ones though. I did, I did listen to the October ones. Cause like, I like horror comedies and and that, and that kind of stuff. So I got some enjoyment out of that still. Cool, man. Well, I'm thrilled to have you back on, like I said, and we talk to each other so much for like a couple months every year because we're planning a live stream, which is in May. So we're just like talk to each other all the time, daily, pretty much me, you and Dan. And then it's like live stream ends. We're all exhausted, especially you. And you kind of just like disappear, which like, that's fine. You get You need to regroup. You need to regather yourself. But it just kind of falls off a little bit. And I just miss you, man. So I just really thank you for being here. And I just, uh, you're one of those guests that comes on the show. It's like, yeah, we're going to do a countdown. We're going to talk about movies or whatever. But I just really want to spend time with you and just chat with you. So thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, it's it's, it's absolutely my pleasure. And, and the feelings more than mutual going right back across the uh, the virtual table, as it were, to you. I love I love being on the mic with you. And I mean, yeah, you're right. We we, we spend so much time talking, working together, planning everything for live stream, doing all that kind of stuff. And then... I burn myself out so hard doing it every year that I literally just crash for like a month mm-hmm, yeah. afterward. And, mm-hmm. you know, then I kind of stay focused on my own little, on my own little, uh, my own little things. Well, that's cool, man. So why don't you tell people, man, cause it's been a while since you've been on the show. Cause like I said, this is the first time post hiatus. So it's probably been over a year since you came on the peas. I want to say it was like right before, uh, the last live stream we had an episode together. Yep, yep. With Dan, I believe we were talking music back then. But uh, tell people a little bit about Nikolai's Kitchen because that's in full effect, and you're doing some great things over there. Just tell them a little bit about what you do because it's not so much in the movie realm that people may know you from back in the Epic Film Guys days. So, what's Nikolai's Kitchen all about, man? 
it's my journey of scratch made food and positive energy. So I try to figure out how to make every single thing I possibly can from scratch and build those meals from scratch. And along the way, I kind of talk about where I'm at with my life and try to put some good energy, some positive energy out into the world. Cause I think the world needs more of that. Hell yeah, dude. And you make some fucking delicious food. I'm going to tell you that. I've, I've experienced it firsthand. That's right. He's eating my food, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely, man. Those donuts you did last time, two years ago when you did the lasagna for us. I mean, it's too, it's too good, man. So keep doing what you're doing. You're killing it. Nikolai's Kitchen is Nick's show, and it'll all of the information will be in the show notes for you to check him out if you are into that. Please do so. Now, I guess your second love next to food is movies. I would say that's safe to say, and getting to know you over the last few years. My second love is Gerald. My third well, yeah. love is movies. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. So we're talking. We're not talking movies tonight, but we're no. talking TV. Yeah. So I, I think when I think Nick, I think food. I think movies. But you've been doing a lot of TV watching. So tell everybody what you kind of wanted to count down tonight, because this is a topic that you came up with. So we are going to be counting down the top five on-screen TV deaths. Now that's an important caveat in there, Gerald. And I mm-hmm. know I'm not going to have to give you any, any, any hassle mm-hmm. about including any characters that did not die on screen. Like that has to be, that's, that's the, that's the caveat. It has to be an on screen death. Oh God. I feel like I, maybe I messed up on a couple of <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, all right. Go ahead and pull well, your, no, I'm fine. the host of the show card privilege. Yes. It'll be, it'll be perfect time for you to rib at me when the, when it comes up. I think there's two that maybe didn't happen on screen now that I'm looking at my list. Cause for me, it's on screen TV deaths, right? So I was telling my wife tonight, actually, you know, she's like, what are you recording? I told her and she goes on screen TV. Isn't that just TV deaths? And I'm like, well, no, because but for me, it was like I wanted it to be an on screen TV death because I didn't want people to think like just somebody in the world of TV died. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So for me, it was kind of like they died on the show. Their character died. Uh, as opposed to obviously the actual actor or whatever. So that was kind of where I went with it as far as parameters go. So I guess you're saying your kind of hardline parameter is you had to actually see the person die. Yeah. Mine is strict. Like on my, on my top five, like I've got a couple of honorable mentions that bend the rules, but that's why I put them in honorables because I was like, yeah, but like my top five, like you see, you see the life leave their body uh, on, on the air, like literally as you're watching the show. Well, I want to ask you a little bit about your research for it. So, I was coming up with it kind of on the fly today, honestly. And what I kind of realized, Nick, when I was doing my list for this is that I don't watch enough TV anymore. Dude. Because all of mine are from like <laughs> the 90s. I mean, maybe 2000s a little bit, or like early 2000s. Like, I, mean, I don't see, have any current stuff, really. Like you, 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 like this was, this was obviously like a topic that I wanted to do, but like, yeah, uh, watching like TV, like I have watched a bunch of different things and I'm looking through the, the, the like lists and stuff. Cause like I have a few different things that pop into my head and I'm like, ah, let me, let me start looking through some other lists because I know I'm forgetting things. Cause I forget literally everything all the time ever. And I pull up lists of like memorable TV show deaths and like all these different kind of li- the, the, all the Google things that you pull up when you research a thing like this. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 pretty wild the amount of things that I haven't seen that make those lists. So, 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's surprising. Yeah, that's like kind of where much. I was at too. That's kind of where I was at too. I was like, wow, I haven't seen any of this shit. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of them too are like, I don't want to give any way any titles that might come up on your list, but a lot of them too that I saw were like super popular. They were so popular that even not having seen one episode of the show, I knew all about that person's death because it was like such a pop culture, like zeitgeist thing. You know what I mean? When that person died, it just made all the social media and made, made like news and, you know, so I knew about a lot of them, but obviously I'm not putting them on my list if I didn't experience it as a fan and like was affected by same. it in some way. Yep. You know, same. I, and, and like mine are kind of, I'll say that exactly. Mine, mine are kind of uh, of of ranked around in terms of emotionality, in terms of how they impacted me as a viewer of the show in that moment, watching the show when it happened. Yeah, like yeah. that's that was super important to me when when I was putting my list together as well. How many uh, tears did you shed over these? These pretty, uh, you get pretty attached to these characters, right? A few of them, a lot. Yeah. Like a few of them, a lot. And then others, there's others, and I'll talk about them when we get there, but there's others that are just so shocking. Like it's that kind of like you scrape your job off the floor, like watching mm-hmm. the TV show. Like you almost got to pause it because like you can't believe what just happened kind of thing. <laughs> right, right, sure, yeah. You know? But yeah. like even looking at my list too, it's funny. Like uh, there's nothing on my list that's predating the year 2000. Like everything is oh, from the wow. new millennium. Like, everything is so new. we're different in that respect. Yeah. Then I've got a couple that will probably end up falling in my honorables, but most of mine are like 90s and into like the early to mid 2000s. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've got a few shows that I'm on right now that I've been watching recently, but there's not like there's a lot of deaths on them. You know what I yeah. mean? So I don't know if I'm just like dick jokes and like comedies. So not a lot of deaths happening <laughs> yeah, on those yes, shows. You know? Yes, you do. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. So we're going to do our on-screen TV deaths that I'm probably going to fuck up the brief somehow, but I'll try to keep up with you. So Nick from Nikolai's Kitchen is here. Dear, dear friend of mine and a dear friend of the show. And we're going to count down these top five on-screen TV deaths. Nick, what do you got at number five, man, to get us started? And, and just a caveat to this, because I don't want to hear any complaints on social media after the fact. Uh, spoiler luck. alert for the Good next luck. hour. Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you would think on screen TV desk, people would be like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't listen to this if I don't want to hear if somebody died. <laughs> but, but inevitably, very, Gerald, inevitably, somebody would and be like, oh, man, I can't believe you. Well, what did you expect when you clicked yeah. on this show? Anyway. That is an absolutely. Thank you so much for mentioning because <laughs> I would have definitely <laughs> forgot and gotten about 100 tweets after. Uh, yes. Yeah, spoiler alert for any shows that get mentioned tonight. We will be spoiling at least one character that apparently dies on yeah. the show. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the show and you plan to watch it, then skip through that. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. I would have forgotten that. Yeah, so my my number five comes in. I want to say it was season four of netflix show orange is the new black gerald you ever watch it i watched the first season i didn't watch past that yeah so there's tough parts to get through especially piper who is a terrible lead character and has literally nothing to do for most of the entire runtime of the show but i'm talking about there's a certain point in time when like and it's it's touching on like real life issues of like prisoners being treated poorly by guards and all these kinds of things and like getting substandard food and everything. And you get to the end of this season and the inmates have completely had it, you mm-hmm. know? So they decide they're going to protest and they're going to stand on these tables. Like as kind of a, 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 this super protest about like this inhuman treatment from these guards and stuff. And one of the characters, her, her name was Pusey. 
Mm-hmm. And she gets like wrestled to the ground in, in like the midst of this whole thing. And like, I mean, you talk about like thinking about like George Floyd and like all that kind of stuff. So it was mm-hmm. very poignant, like in that kind of time frame. but like a guard kneels on her, on her neck and ends up suffocating her and killing her. Oh, wow. And like, I mean, and, and you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, an actress of color, like a character of color and, and, you know, a white guard and everything like that. So you add the racial element into it as well. And, and this was prior, this was pre the George Floyd stuff. I'm pretty sure. Cause the uh, season okay. four of orange is the new black would have been quite a few years before okay. I'd have to look up the exact year. I don't remember the exact year. I'm sorry, but yeah, it was definitely before that. But like, you think about like real life imitating art or art imitating real life. and like, you know, that kind of that kind of dichotomy, but yeah, like, and then it, what ends up happening is like this whole prison riot occurs like out of this. And like, she was by far, at least to me, like, and I think a lot of people as well, like absolutely like one of the fan favorite characters. Like she was such a like bright light, uh, on the show. Like she was always so much fun. Like she was kind of one of the only reasons you still watch the show at that point. If you watched it, because like I said, mm-hmm. like Piper, the main character, like had nothing to do for several seasons. You just didn't care about her anymore. So like, yeah. And like, it's, it's, it's like terrible to see these prisoners treated this way, broken down, like their basic humanity, like their basic human needs and rights, just not being met, you know, by this corporation that runs this prison or whatever. And then it all culminates in just this tragic death. And like, she's on the ground, like gasping, like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And like the guard just like, won't move. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I mean, it, it like, especially in the times that we live in, like wow. even more poignant, like on top of that. So yeah, that's my, that's my number f- number five. I can't talk oh, either. Oh, 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 yeah. Number five. I well, just did yoga. Uh, uh, so I'm like <laughs> sucking wind here still. All right. <laughs> well, you nailed it, man. I mean, it sounds like it was, uh, definitely one of those art imitating life and life imitating art things. Like you said, yeah. there. I mean, like, it's, that's why it was kind of crazy when the whole George Floyd thing happened. Yeah. I saw, I saw the like Pusey's death in orange is the new black, like making the rounds on social media be like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what people, you know, I mean, probably do realize now at this point, but you know, in the, in the latter, you know, pre all that stuff, I mean, this shit happens all the time. Man. Oh, all the time. Yeah. I mean, all the time, you know, I mean, there was a reason why it was written into that show is because it's probably a regular occurrence, you know? Yeah. So as unfortunate as that is, but that's your number five, you know, I never made it past the first season, but I did really like it. And it's one of those shows that like, yeah, I'm going to pick up sometime. And then next thing I know, I'm going to be dead and I never watched the rest of it. So, <laughs> so yeah, I and it's, to. it's, it's one of those shows that it's like, it's got as many bad parts about it as it does good parts about it. And yeah, you've really got to commit to wanting to watch the show all the way through because there's a bunch of episodes and there's a bunch of character arcs and stuff where you're wholesale just like, nah, I can't anymore. This is killing me. <laughs> Right. Well, well, I'm going to get a start or get my list started at number five with a television series. I'll just tell you, Game of Thrones. There's a lot of deaths on Game of Thrones. You watch the show or did you? Never. Okay. So there's a lot of murder, a lot of deaths on the show. But what this show did, at least on a wide kind of like popular scale, is it killed off main characters. And when it did it in season one with Ned Stark, that's my number five, played by Sean Bean on the series, you, you're, you're not expecting that. Because like I said, that was not something that was a shtick for, you know, program television. Hang Ned's, on, hang on. He's played by Sean Bean. Everyone expects Sean Bean to die. <laughs> I know. That's true. The poor guy. The poor guy. Well, aside from that, you know, uh, making those choices on his resume, but... 
this character of, of Ned Stark was was the patriarch. He was literally every episode leading up to, I think it was episode eight or nine of the 10 in that season that he was actually killed. He is like the focal point. Like we're following him. We're following his story, his family, his daughters, Arya and Sansa. And, you know, ultimately what happens, I mean, I know you haven't seen it, but just what happens is like he basically figures out that the king's heirs are not they're illegitimate children because of the incestuous relationship that his wife had with her brother. Hot. <laughs> That's a game of thrones for you. So he kind of discovers this and he knows the secret. So to make a long story short, they have him executed in the, in the square of the town. They, uh, with the guillotine, they cut his head off. I mean, even up until the moment the guillotine came down and cut his head off, I didn't think he was going to die. Like that's how, R.R. Martin, when he wrote it, yes, but like when they filmed the show, that's how like connected we were to Ned Stark. That like literally, he's almost like telling us the story. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's yeah. like he's a tour guide. So it's like if he's gone, we're lost. We don't know where to go. So I just didn't expect it. And I'm not joking. It, re- it literally took his head rolling off of the damn platform for me to be like, I think he's dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> And that was cut to black. The episode ends. Luckily, it wasn't the finale for the season. There was like one more episode after that. So you knew you were going to get at least one more episode the following week. Yeah. And there was all the speculation that it was a dream sequence. And he didn't really die because nobody could fucking believe it. Uh, and he did. So it was a, it was really hit you really hard. It was really surprising. It was beautifully done in that way. And then Game of Thrones kind of has a name for itself now because it's like, well, I mean, the show's over. But when it was running, like nobody's safe. You know, like these characters might be pivotal. We might be spending a whole, whole lot of time with them, but that doesn't mean they're going to stick around. Nobody's safe, you know, and I thought that was a genius way to write a a TV show. Um, And then we've seen other ones do it, of course, um, since then. But uh, why did you... I'm just curious. Why did you never get into Game of Thrones? Not your thing? Or you love Lord of the Rings and that shit, though? I never started it uh, whenever it first, whenever it first came around. And right. You know, like it was kind of like, it's one of those things where like everybody's talking about it, but then you're like, ah, but I'm so far behind. Like I'll catch yep. it someday. Yep. I'll catch up to it someday. And then what was it? Season, the, the last season, whatever the last season of oh, it was God. happens. Yeah. And literally like everybody I know, like absolutely utterly hated it. Yeah, it was rough. So man. like at this point, I'm just like, well, why do I even want to bother now? <laughs> Yeah, it was everybody's rough. like I, everybody's like oh the everything leading up to that season is great but then that season is so bad i'm like but that feels like a lot of time i would invest only to get really mad at the end <laughs> so, yeah pretty much yeah i guess you're right yeah so yeah i, mean, I, I just never that, uh, got around I, to it at, at, and at this point like it's it's i mean maybe someday like if i don't have anything else to do which you know me and you know how busy i am all the time so yeah probably not gonna happen <laughs> I get it. Uh, you know, I get it. I was, I was, I think I would have been in, I'm in that boat right now, actually, with House of the Dragon, you know, the prequel or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't started that. And I got to tell you something. The first season, I don't know if I ever will. And I was a Game of Thrones fan. If it I've gets heard it's to really be, good, though. I've heard I it's really too. good. But if it gets to be multiple seasons, I don't know, dude. I'm kind of like you where I'm like, I can't catch up. It's too much. Yeah. You know, I mean, you better take like the ter- the time for the off season to get invested then. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, that's the good thing about HBO shows. They take like two years between that's, seasons. That's very true. So I have time. 
if I want to start it. All right, so that's my number five, Ned Stark from Game of Thrones, and that sends us back over to you, buddy. What do you got at number four? Well, talking about shows that constantly like check their audience's expectations, things that you definitely like come out of left field or that you don't uh, expect to happen. Uh, my number four, and let me let me let me paint the scene for you, Gerald. Before I before I tell you the show, the well, and I gotta t- I gotta just tell you the show because it's important to the journey. But it's lost, okay? It's lost. Yeah, one of my absolute favorite shows of all time. I heard you know, the, I heard you the know I don't you know I don't do this right. I don't do. I'm lost. hanging up. The, I'm hanging up the call. I mean, why I'm did- sorry. I don't. But go ahead. <laughs> Set it up for me. Tell me season, why it was season impactful. five. Now the the one thing like at the end of season four. There is a shot in like the future or whatever, where you see that Locke is dead off of the island. And this is the character who like literally had like slavishly devoted himself to the island and would never leave it. So it's like that constant like thing of how did he get off the island? Why would he leave the island, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then he ends up leaving the island and long and short of it is he is trying to get the people that left the island to come back to it. Okay. And he tries to get every single one of them and he fails. He finds out that the only woman he really ever loved was, uh, died. Mm -hmm. And like, he finds out that he's just been like, like he just feels worthless. Like his whole life has absolutely meant nothing. So he is going to attempt to kill himself. Mm. And then he's, he's like literally like, like getting himself, like, like stringing up an electrical cord, getting ready to hang himself. And then Ben, who is like the main villain of the show, like all like the big, big, big Ben Linus comes in and actually like talks him down, saves him, says, you can't, you've got too much work to do. You've got too much. You're too important. You can't die, you know? And then he talks Locke out of killing himself and then kills him. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the most, and, and like Ben Linus was that character that you like just vehemently hated anyway, no matter what. And then for him to like, like Locke is broken so completely at this point for Ben to talk him, like give him a little spark of hope, a little bit of life and, and talk him out of killing himself and be like, no, you've still got purpose. You've still got so much to do. And then strangles him. Wow. literally chokes the life out of him i loved lost anyway it was like and ben and ben and and Locke were always two of my favorite characters but that death scene it's just it, there's a lot of deaths in lost that i could have chosen here too but my god it absolutely guts you it's like for that character to be so broken for you to give him that little bit of hope that one little thread that he needs to to keep going and then kill him is some of the most vile reprehensible shit ever wow. and that's why ben linus is like such an evil bastard <laughs> so Locke is the death who played Locke? what was the actor uh terry o'quinn okay i'm trying to think if i did you ever I, see did you ever see lost like at all he was the bald dude i mean no i mean yeah i mean i have no images and clips and stuff but yeah I, yeah yeah i heard you talk i've heard you talk about this with ashley before and stuff i just I don't know. It's like you were saying with the game of thrones i just never it missed me you know it was gone it yep. was too far i was too far gone from it and my wife watched this one. She she watched Lost, and she anytime a TV topic comes up, she'll bring up character. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't watch Lost, so I feel like I'm the minority for sure. And I just I just missed the boat with this one. But Locke from Lost is your number four. Yep. So good pick, man. I you know my number four, Nick. Here you go. Me and you are tight, so you can give it to me, brother. I don't think she dies on camera. I'm sitting here trying to recollect. I don't think, I think maybe in flashbacks they might show it after the fact, but this one fucked me up, dude, because I love this show so, so much anyway. 
And this was just, with the editing and the way this was shot, it was just such a ruse to just blindside anybody that was watching it in real time. But it's Rita Morgan from Dexter, which was Dexter's wife, at the, fiance or wife at the time. I can't remember. I think maybe fiance. They were engaged to be married. Did you ever watch Dexter on Showtime? Uh, I, I know what you're talking about. Cause wasn't that like the season with John Lithgow or whatever? Yes, yeah. Dude. Like that was, I, I caught it peripherally. Like I never like actively watched it or anything. And then again, that's the game of Thrones thing. Like again, like people talked about how bad Dexter got in like the last couple seasons. And I'm like, well, I don't want to invest time in watching this if it's just going to turn to crap. But yeah, I like I, I remember seeing like that peripheral. Like, doesn't she die like in a in a like she's in a bathtub like full of blood or something like that? Yeah, dude, you do know. Yeah. That's good. Isn't so that crazy? Like, this is what like I was that scene. But see, this is what I was talking about though, where it's like you see you know people on the Google list that you didn't see the show, but you yeah, like yeah. know about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give is. you the out. I'm gonna give you the cheat because if they show it in a flashback, then they eventually showed it counts. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. John Lithgow is kind of the, it's funny to say villain because kind of Dexter is kind of a villain <laughs> throughout the entire show, but he's kind of like an anti-hero really. But um, John Lithgow, who is creepy AF in this season of, of Dexter, plays the Trinity killer essentially. And he's a serial killer that, you know, is killing people. And Dexter's yeah. trying to find, is trying to solve the mystery of who the Trinity killer is. So then Dexter can do his thing and, and rid the world of this you know hideous person or whatever. And he's got to find out who the serial killer is so he can ex- exercise exactly. his serial killeriness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it is a very like kind of it's a very weird thing that it puts the viewer in. But yeah. like I said, Michael C. Hall as Dexter is some in a weird way likable, you know, like a cousin that you hang out with or whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he's trying to figure out who the Trinity killer is. We, as a viewer know, it's John Lithgow. I think they reveal that pretty early on in the season. And he's also a family man on the show. So Dexter's like close to him, but Dexter has no idea that he's a Trinity killer. So they have that kind of weird, you know, relationship, like friendship going on. Yeah. Yep. So you get to this, the finale of the season. We know that Dexter has finally figured out, oh my God, my friend Arthur is the Trinity killer. I've got to take this dude out. You know, I got to do, I got to do my thing or whatever. And he does. Okay. So Dexter, to make a long story short, essentially, you know, tracks him down and puts him in the room with the tarp and like, does just, you know, does this whole thing. Does his Dexter thing. Right. (laughs) And it's cutting back. So the editing is phenomenal because it's cutting back from what Dexter's doing with the Trinity killer to Rita and how she's just kind of like going about her day and like buying groceries, I think in the scene and like whatever. We never for one second think that there's anything going on other than what's playing out in real time, which is Dexter killing the Trinity killer. Yeah. But in a series of flashbacks, what we learn, because Dexter comes home after he's done his thing and Rita's dead in the bathtub, yeah. full of full of blood, like you said, and he's trying to pull her out of the bath like she's gone, you know, and we basically essentially learn that John Lithgow, his character of Arthur, had killed her prior to his encounter with Dexter. Yeah. And we kind of learned that through a series of flashbacks. And like the way, I mean, you just never, I'm like, because you think the episode's over. You're like, okay, this was the big bad. You know, the Trinity killer was the big bad. They Mm -hmm. got him. You know, this is this. Like the season's over. That was the big arc for the season. Like we'll have some kind of weird montage and we'll come back next year and he'll do something (laughs) stupid or whatever. 
You know what I'm saying? But like, you just yeah. kind of had that feeling like the, the show's over or whatever. And then you see this last little five minute thing and it, it tied into flashbacks from Dexter's childhood and how, you know, he was sitting in a pool of blood when he found his mother killed and like, you know, I'm seeing, so it was a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it was shot beautifully and it really, really uh, surprised me. Like I can usually figure stuff out, but I had no idea that that was coming. Yeah. Wow. So that's why I read Morgan's my number four, man. I'm sorry I'm naming all these shows you haven't seen, but I mean, at least you at least fine. you knew about that one. It's fun. Yeah, I, they, yeah, that one, like I said, I saw that show peripherally, but it was nothing I was I had never kind of paid much attention to it because I was like, eh, do I want to get invested in this thing that he's gonna go become a lumberjack or something? Like, I don't know. I I don't really care. Like <laughs> Yeah, I didn't do that. I didn't do the winter one. That's the one after the one everybody was pissed about. <laughs> So the show ended and everybody was pissed about it. And they brought back that like little one-off thing that you're talking about where he like goes and lives in a small town in Alaska or something. I haven't seen that either, but I love Dexter. So whatever. Maybe I I'll should give, only watch that. Like not the original <laughs> series, just like the revival, like the one season revival and just call it a day. Yeah. Somebody be like, Hey Dick, do you watch Dexter? Be like, yeah, yeah. He was a fucking thing in Alaska, yeah, right? Dude, like <laughs> doing the logs, taking him to the sawmill and stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, I love Dexter. It's good shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So that's about number four. And we're back over to you for your three, man. What do you got? Oh, man. Now, this is a show that I am reasonably sure that you've seen. All right. Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, for sure. I haven't seen its uh, or its Better Call Saul. I haven't seen that. Okay. So uh, now this was incredibly hard for me when making this list, because let me tell you, Gerald, there are a lot of really, really, really impactful deaths on mm-hmm. Breaking Bad. I agree. Like a lot of them. Um, but my my number three, I, I kind of thought about it and I was like, which one of these really, really hit me absolutely the hardest? And it is uh my name is Ashak Schrader, and you can go fuck yourself. It's Hank Schrader uh dying yeah. out in the desert during the uh during the shootout. That that in, one's mine too, in my honorable mentions. I would yeah. if we we're gonna name the same one or not, because I was also thinking of Gus too, but I mean, Gus is Gus is the more memorable one. That's the one you know. Yeah, everybody thinks of with with Hector, you know, dinging the bell and doing all the doing all the thing and and, and everything. And like that's the one you think of as like the more iconic Breaking Bad death, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the entire story of Breaking Bad is watching Walter White's descent into villainy or his ascent into like being this like drug kingpin like overlord type person, you know, mm-hmm. and. This is the moment when everything has come crashing down because all he has ever professed the entire series is how much he cares about his family and how much he's done all this stuff that he's done, all the horrible, terrible. And he is a reprehensible shitbag of a character mm-hmm. like Rebecca and I are watching it again now because we just finished. Uh, we just finished Better Call Saul because that just ended. And let me tell you, it's it's even better to watch uh, Breaking Bad with all of the Better Call Saul ishness infused throughout it like did an amazing job stitching those two shows together like stitching that connected world together mm-hmm. but yeah this is the moment like that is the moment when when walter white fails like 
his whole thing has been about doing everything he's done for his family. Right. And his own brother-in-law gets executed in front of him. And, he, and he's begging. He's begging, Jack, don't do it. Don't do it. And he's certainly trying to give him. What does he have in those barrels? Like $80 million buried out in the desert that he's trying to give him to save his life. And like it, like it, no matter what he does, this whole show has been about how is Walter White going to get out of this? How is he going to weasel and squeeze and, and, and sneak his way out of this? And he can't. He uh, like, ultimately he can't do it. And like I said, that's why I had to pick this one because this is ultimately, this is ultimately when, when he finally can't talk himself out of it, when he finally can't get there anymore. Right. And I feel like, and I feel like of a lot of the on-screen deaths on breaking bad too, this one had to be, if not the definitely one of like the most personal too. like, Oh, easily, you know, cause it's family and it's this guy that is kind of been like, I mean, I won't say like a goofball, but I mean, he's just been like a fun part of the show, like a fun, <laughs> like supporting, you know, character that he's comic relief in a lot of it. Yeah. You know, it was really that last season where it was like he kind of started to become a little more serious. And then obviously when it get when we get down to the showdown here, he's like, well, fuck, you know, now I'm into the zone here. But yeah, Hank was always this really kind of like lovable guy mm-hmm. that I don't know. You just kind of felt that kinship between him and, and Walter. And it was like. This was just so heartbreaking, man, because it's like, like you said, I mean, there's nothing that, that, that he could do. And like, ultimately it's, it's like the beginning and he's already like been paying for it in other ways, of course, leading up to this, but this is really the beginning of where Walter White really has to start paying like the consequences of his actions and like paying for the sins that he has committed. And t- like, to me, like, that's why I picked it. Cause overall to the show, it's by far the more impactful death. Because yeah. then it it triggers the whole sequence where he goes home to Skylar and then they, they have that whole exchange where she's like, where's Hank? Where's Hank? Right, right. You know, like, oh, man. Yeah. God, yeah. Hank from Breaking Bad. That's my number three. Yeah, dude. That's a good one, man. It's in my honorable mentions. I also chose Hank from that show. Yeah. Um, like I said, it was a coin flip between that one and Gus because the Gus one was just so memorable and so, yeah. like, grandiose, you know. But, uh, yeah, but the Hank one is so personal and it just kind of just – it was like everything just imploded in in a matter of seconds, you know, it would have been building up in that show. So that's your number three. My number three is from a comedy. Here we go. (laughs) Also, also one, I think I cheated on. I don't think she dies on camera because it was a sitcom, but it's Susan Ross from Seinfeld. What do you think? No, no idea. I got got no frame of reference for this, (laughs) bro. This is absolutely Seinfeld actually might be my favorite show of all time, any genre. I watch this constantly on a fucking loop. Anytime I need to put something on while I'm working or doing whatever, it's always Seinfeld. But anyway, there's an arc in season six, I believe. I think it's six where, (laughs) you know, George Costanza. Yeah. yep. So he's engaged to Susan and, you know, his character is wanting to find love through a whole show. But then once he does, he's one of those people that's like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, get me out of this relationship. He's, he's a giant <laughs> shit bag. Yeah. <laughs> so he's about to marry Susan. You know, this kind of part of the storyline of that season is them engaged and planning their wedding and stuff. And he keeps kind of weaseling his way out of it. He postpones the date a couple times because he's kind of a coward. He won't leave her, but he doesn't want to marry her. So he's trying to figure out how he can kind of manipulate it. Well, they go, (laughs) they're planning their wedding. They go to this uh, paper shop to get their wedding invitations and they end up 
you know, the, the girl brings the book out and she goes, here's all of our options. Uh, it starts in the front and it's this huge binder. And she's like, it goes from expensive to least expensive. So George takes the binder and flips it all the way to the back page. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, we'll take these. And he always points to them. So they end up settling on the cheapest possible wedding invitations. Uh, the the girl at the counter is even like, I don't think they make these anymore. <laughs> and he's like, well, can you check? And anyway, they end up getting them. So long story short, what ends up killing Susan, his fiance, is the toxic glue from the wedding invitations from the envelopes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so she fucking <laughs> so she fucking starts turning all pale, you know. She fucking and you see that she gets in the ambulance, she goes to the hospital. That's why I said she doesn't die on camera. But there's a scene at the end of that episode where Jerry and Kramer and Elaine take George to the hospital to see her and the doctor comes out and the doctor goes, you know, he goes up to George and he's like, Are you the fiance? And George's like, Yes, yes. And the doctor's like, I'm sorry to tell you this, but she's expired. And George is like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it's like, she's she's died. She's no longer with us. And so Jerry's there. They're all like super cynical on the show anyway, you know? Yeah. So the doctor walks off and George goes back over to his friends and he's like, well, uh, she died. <laughs> They're like, what? She's dead? <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's something to do with the glue there was a glue from the invitations and then they all just kind of like oh man bummer and then they're like all right well you want to get some coffee <laughs> they go to the coffee shop <laughs> oh man and then it plays out from there where george kind of pays for the sins of being a dick to her and you know other storylines that come up later with susan's parents and stuff on the show but yeah it was just so funny it was such like it brought such like levity to an otherwise like really like tragic situation because these characters are just abhorrent you know what i mean yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. it's just funny to watch them kind of fumble through life and george is the absolute worst <laughs> so of course he killed his fiance by buying these cheap ass wedding invitations you know yeah. so susan ross there you go my number three from a sitcom wow a, a sitcom death i don't think you probably didn't think to see that tonight but there it is i'm a huge seinfeld dork in case you can't tell <laughs> Love that show. I got to gush with that show with Ashley and Paul over there a few years ago on her show on Rabbit Ears. Man. That was a blast. So you need to pick up Seinfeld, man. That's a classic. I can't Dang. wait. Speaking of speaking of Seinfeld and speaking of Julie Reed Dreyfus, I'm gonna be on Ashley's show in December to do Veep and I can't. Oh wait. Veep. Nice. Yeah. Veep dude. is so good, dude. Nice. Oh. All right, brother. So we're up to our runner-ups. What do you got at number two, Nick? Oh, so my number two, and this you may paint this with a touch of recency bias. This show just wrapped up this year. So double spoiler alert because this show is very recent. And Gerald just mentioned the name of this show because it is from Better Call Saul. Mm. So Haven't essentially, and I don't care, Gerald. You invited me on the show. It's your own fault. Mm, I'm fine. You have I'll to watch. For, I'll forget by the time really I watch it. You have to watch the show. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, yeah, Nick to. told me that guy died. Oh, shit. I promise you, you have to watch the show because the way that it enhances everything about Breaking Bad is incredible. Mm-hmm. Is absolutely incredible. Um, but Brett Call Saul, of course, tracks like Jimmy McGill is his name, tracks his descent into becoming, you know, the slippery criminal lawyer, Saul Goodman, that we see in Breaking Bad and kind of like the main villain that he's set against. Like the entire time. And it's that same way that Breaking Bad is like your bad guys are the protagonists of the show and the good guys are the antagonists. So even though, you know, like 
Jimmy slash Saul is doing like these shitty things, you still root for him because he's your protagonist. And of course it's Bob Odenkirk and he's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, like the main foil, the main villain of the show has always been uh, Howard Hamlin, who is like the lead partner in this big law firm that uh, Jimmy's brother, Chuck, uh, was a co-partner in. And Howard is just like the cleanest press, like super clean pinstripe suits, perfect hair, perfect smile, perfect everything. Like he's like the most handsome man in the world. So like naturally, like as a viewer, you're like, well, I hate this piece of shit, mm-hmm. you know, and on Better Call Saul, they always kind of kept the because you always you also have like the emerging drug cartel stuff with Gus and Mike and like all that kind of different stuff and those those two plot threads like the legal drama part and that part they intertwine periodically but not too much like they kind of are doing their own thing a lot of the time until in like the mid-season finale I think it is of season 6 um so you, and you remember the wheelchair dude, Hector Salamanca. Well, one of his, um, I don't know if he's his cousin or nephew or whatever he is, but uh, his name is Lalo Salamanca, the infinitely charming Tony Dalton, like probably one of the best villains in the entire like Breaking Bad universe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he, you know, for through different machinations, he's had Saul as his lawyer before. And meanwhile, he and... Uh, Kim Wexler are trying to bring Howard down. Like they're trying to take Howard down because he's a giant shit bag. And Howard's like at the, at their apartment, like drunkenly, like cursing them out because they've ruined him. Like they made up, they've made the town. Uh, they've made Albuquerque think that he's like this drug addict and everything like that. And then all of a sudden, like there's this flicker of the candle because the door opens and mm-hmm. in strolls Lalo, who's like this kingpin in the cartel and you know like kimmy and jim are trying to get howard to leave and they're like get out get out get out and then lalo just literally screws the silencer on his gun leans it up and just blows howard's brains out wow and like i mean it's literally like those two worlds absolutely crashing together in the most unbelievable fashion um like i hated howard hamlin for five and a half seasons and i've never felt so bad for a character that i've hated so much ever in a television show like it's like the most senseless and, 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 and shitty and horrifying way possible. Like he's literally just in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, like you root for Kimmy and, uh, yeah, for Kimmy, uh, for Jimmy and Kim, because <laughs> like you hate Howard. He's a smarmy. Like he, like I said, he's the sexiest guy ever. He drives a Porsche with namaste for a fucking license plate, you know, or is it a Jaguar? It's a, it's a sports car regardless. Like he's just that dude. Like he's literally that dude. You hate this son of a bitch so much, you know, because yeah. he like, again, then Jimmy's just like this scrappy. He's, you know who he is. Right. And like, you just, like, the whole show, you're like, Howard, you're such a smarmy fucking douchebag. But then like, literally like, you see him just get his brain blown out. Like, and it's like, it's such a quick scene too. Like it happens like almost immediately. And like, you never think the show is going to go there, but like, it's just, yeah. Unbelievable. Like it, that pretty much like that event pretty much is what kind of finalizes, um, Jimmy's like descent or transformation, if you will, fully into the Saul that we meet in, in breaking bad. Like, like it's unbelievable. Like I, like Rebecca and I, like when we, when we saw it, like, like seriously, I talked either beginning of the show or before we started recording about like 
scrape your jaw up off the floor yeah television yeah. moments and that's what this was like you never expected it to happen and then like i said i've i've never felt like so I hated Howard. I hated him so much. But the second he fucking hits the ground and his brains are sprayed everywhere, it's just like, holy shit, I feel <laughs> so bad for him. Right, like, right, right. It's the worst, worst possible fate you can think of. It's that I wouldn't wish wish this on my worst enemy kind of thing. Wow. But it's it's unbelievable. Like I said, maybe it's recency bias. I don't care, but it was so goddamn shocking. It was yeah. so incredible. Such a good moment. And Better then call Saul, man. I got to get on it. What happens to him? Like after that, like where he ends up, like where, well, where, where he ends up, I won't spoil, but, um, also extremely satisfying, but it changes the way you watch breaking bad forever. Okay. So I'll say that. <laughs> wow. Okay. I wonder if, um, I don't know. Should I rewatch Breaking Bad before Better Call Saul or just go for it? Just go for it. Watch Better Call Saul first, because then when you rewatch Breaking Bad, the great thing about the rewatch that I'm doing now, because we're at the end of season three of Breaking Bad now. And like you, they bring everybody back for Better Call Saul. Like the first guy that Walt ever kills, Crazy Eight. He's in Better Call Saul. Tuco's in Better Call Saul. Uh, Hector Salamanca is in Better Call Saul. You see how Hector ended up in the wheelchair with the bell. Okay. You know, like they paint like this, such a huge tapestry and then they, they give you all these characters and they put all these pieces on the board. And then right. Breaking Bad starts and you basically watch Walter White come in and systematically destroy every single one of them. So right. now when you watch Be- uh, Breaking Bad, you have all of that amazing backstory that Better Call Saul has filled in there. And it just fills that world up so much more. I mean, okay. it's it's every bit as good as Breaking Bad is. I would pick a different one on a different day if you asked me which of the two was my favorite. Like it's it's that good. Like okay. It is that good. I've heard many people say that actually. So yeah. Yeah, I need to give it a go, man, for sure. I, it's one of the ones that I really, really wish I hadn't waited to get started on, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. But yeah. So Howard is the death, right? From Better Call Saul Howard for you. Hamlin. It's your, your runner up, number two. Yep. My number two is Pussy, man. Big Pussy <laughs> <laughs> from The Sopranos. <laughs> You didn't know where I was going with that, did you? I was I was wondering for a second. I was like, Gerald, yeah. is this was, was are this we one on of the, the right episode? channels when you were a little kid? <laughs> what are we recording again? Um, okay, Big Pussy Bop and Sarah from The Sopranos, played by Vincent DeFornio. This is um, such. This was in season three, and he was Tony. Did you watch The Sopranos? Nope. Okay. Wow, I'm really bad. You're a thousand on shows. So yeah. Uh, just to paint the picture for you, he was Tony's best friend in the world. And we kind of felt like in season three, something was off really in season two, honestly. Well, to make a long story short, we find out that he's an informant for the FBI. He's wearing a wire. Tony's obviously the head of the, you know, New Jersey mafia or whatever. So that's not good. Uh, you're like one of your captains and basically your right hand man is wearing a wire. So Tony, has this kind of like sixth sense almost where he feels like something's up with his BFF and like, he's not acting right. Like he's, he's doing weird shit. He's not coming with me to do stuff he used to do. Like, so he's just really suspicious, but he doesn't, he never kind of suspects what, you know, the FBI thing. But anyway, he ends up going over to his house one day. He says, you know, I just want to take you fishing or whatever. And he goes into uh pussy's bathroom and he finds the wire that he had been wearing and it kind of, you know, confirms Ugh. his, you know, biggest fears or whatever. 
So he plays the tape. He hears, you know, he hears himself talking on it and he's like, okay, you know, he was wired or whatever. So, uh, Paulie and, um, Tony take big pussy out on the boat. And it was just such, it was, it like took the whole episode, his death. Like it was like literally like 40 minutes of the episode was like the tension of knowing that Tony knows and that what's Tony going to do? Cause this is his best. This is essentially his brother. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So they're on the boat with him and Paulie's a really old school guy. So you, so Paulie knows, and you know, in your mind that Paulie just wants to fucking slit his throat. Like Paulie's a very, very old school guy, regardless. Like he would kill his own mother if he knew that like she went against the family. You know what I'm saying? And Tony's a little more level headed, you know, he's a little more sensitive or whatever. Um, so you, you don't really kind of know what's going to play out, but the way it's shot is just so tense and like you're just waiting. Like it's just such a slow burn to figure out what's going to happen. And they're, they go below deck in this boat and the way it's shot and David Chase shoots it really cool because he does it like they're on the boat. So like the camera's like rocking back and forth, you know, almost like you're going to be seasick watching it. Yeah, yeah. So it's shot almost like you're there with them in that room below deck. And, you know, Tony just confronts him with it and Big Pussy just owns up to it, you know, and he so he sits down and he knows he's going to die. I mean, there's no escape, you know what I mean? So they're, him and Paul are just kind of looking at him and he says, you know, can I have a whiskey? So they drink a whiskey together. Frank Sinatra is playing on the radio down <laughs> there and the, they play it on the tape recorder or whatever. And they just end up fucking blowing his brains out. And then they tie him up in this tarp with these chains and they throw him overboard. Damn. And it was just like, they share that moment together as friends. And like, they, you know, Pussy even brings up something like reminiscing about something the three of them did together. And they're all kind of like laughing about it. And like, you know, but it's, if you just put yourself in that moment, I know it's mafia, right? But if you yeah. just put yourself in that moment, like three like lifelong friends and like, you know, that this person is going to die. Not only that, but at your hand, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like how heavy that must've been. And it was, uh, probably, I mean, there's another one of my honorable mentions, but it was probably the most memorable death in the entire run of the Sopranos, in my opinion. Wow. There's some other ones that are like more intense, but kind of like what we were talking about earlier with Hank, this one was very personal, you know, yeah, like yeah. you just felt like Tony didn't really want to do this, but he had to. You know, and it just yeah. it just it just made you really emotional and kind of fucked you up a little bit. So well, that's my number two, and it's also my favorite television show of all time, at least damn. drama, at least drama wise. This is Prano. So wow, there you go. Did you know about the big pussy death or no? No, no, I, I yeah, I, I, I so little knowledge of the Sopranos. <laughs> one quick thing, you know James Gandolfini though that plays yeah, Tony. Yeah, 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 yeah. So one uh, quick thing, I'll just tell you that I thought it was one of my favorite one-liners of the whole fucking show, and it has to do with this guy, big pussy, but. Uh, there's another character on the show that's in the New York family, and he goes by Little Pussy because he's a short dude. <laughs> and Tony, Tony's captain is Big Pussy because it's kind of like a fat dude or whatever. Uh, so anyway, somebody comes into the strip club, and Tony's sitting there having a drink or whatever, and they go up to him. They're telling him what's going on with Pussy or whatever. And uh, he's like, yeah, I heard, uh, I heard they're going to take him out. They're going to take him out. And he goes, yeah, so what? And they're looking at Tony like, well, you're going to let him take him out? And he's like, they're not taking out big pussy. They're taking out little pussy. You think they're going to take out my pussy? <laughs> nice. This is the best. This is the best. Uh, this is Brano's Big Pussy Bopincero is my number two. And we're up to our number ones, Nick. Here we go, man. What is the most, or I don't know, memorable, I guess we're saying, for you? TV, on-screen death? What do you got? 
Oh, so I don't know if you ever watched The Shield, Gerald. No, I didn't. I know of it. So let me let me let me paint a picture for you. So uh, Vic Mackey, Michael Chiklis, like they he and his group are this strike team uh, in the police force that kind of resorts to some criminal activity to try to combat like gang violence and gang activity and all that stuff. Uh, where they, you know, in, in Los Angeles. So at the end of, I think it's season two, the strike team like rips off the Armenian mob basically. And the threads of this show kind of are, are all like interconnected. Like everything's like really connected together. And like it's in season five of the shield Forrest Whitaker in one of my favorite like TV performances ever crime. Needy wasn't nominated for this. Uh, mm-hmm. when, whenever the Emmys came up, but he, he plays this internal affairs agent who is like, he is determined to get Vic Mackey, to get Vic Mackey off the streets and to bust him for all the crimes that he's committed. He knows he's committed them. He just needs to get proof. He just needs to find it out. Right. Mm-hmm. So like there's four people in the strike team. You've got, uh, the Goggins, the Goggins himself. Uh, mm-hmm. this was his first ever, this was his first ever thing. Oh, okay. Um, and he plays he plays Shane in the show and you know you have Ronnie who's like the fourth guy or whatever and then you have like literally the most lovable amazing dude ever is Lem mm-hmm. okay and like toward the end of season 5 Kavanaugh like manages to get like something planted on Lem and get him busted and like his goal is to try to flip Lem and and get him to turn in get him to turn in the strike team and commit and like confess to the crimes that they've committed right and so like like the end of season five is this like whole thing like everybody's trying to get to lem to kind of try to figure out like we got to help him we got to help him get free we got to like get him money and like send we're going to send him to mexico we're going to send him across the border we're going to get him to run okay and like all the people on the strike team are trying to get to him but like they've all got tails and they can't get to him so the person that gets to him is shane is Goggins's character, Shane. And, you know, like they're sitting there talking, like they're talking about what they're going to do. And then Shane pulls the pin on a grenade and drops it into Lem's fucking lap. What? And blows him up because wow, Shane, like Vic was like, there's no way Lem's going to turn. There's no way Lem's going to turn. Like if Vic would have found him, Vic would have helped him get out of the country or whatever. Shane was worried that Lem was going to flip. Shane was convinced that Lem was going to, was going to flip on them and confess everything Mm. and that they were all going to go to prison. And Shane was like, it's him or me Mm, and drops a grenade. Those seems like overkill. Yeah. That's the fucking thing. Like drops (laughs) a grenade into the car and blows him up. Wow. And fucking kills him. And like, it's just like, like the, 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 the confrontation that Kavanaugh is like Kavanaugh shows up at the site of like the whole police force shows up at like the site of the car and like Kavanaugh and Vic, like have this big throwdown and everything. And then like, you know, the season ends with Vic being like, we're going to find out who did this and we're going to kill him. You know, and then meanwhile, Shane's walking away with him and, and, you know, like season six, like the final season or final two seasons or whatever is all about like Vic versus Shane. You know, okay. uh, one of the most perfect TV dramas uh, ever made. Shout out to Joey DiCarlo because I know he dropped this over in the fan feedback and he oh, and cool. I okay. have traded this moment and this show back and forth like a dozen times ever since I've ever met Joey. Like, I know this is uh, something that's huge for him as well, but like it's so because Lem was the heart of the strike team. Lem was the heart of the whole show. He's the character like 
he he went along with the strike team stuff but like like shane was a fucking degenerate like you know he would be like fucking hookers and like doing all this other sure, stuff and yeah vic's just a, a a brute thug and ronnie's basically a yes man but lem lem really you can tell he didn't want to go along with this stuff but like he felt like he didn't have a choice and like these are his friends and i want to help protect them but like you could tell he always felt really bad about it and like he always was really really torn up by it and man he was literally the beating heart of this show and for them to literally not just kill him but drop a grenade in his lap and blow him up mm. it, oh wow. man. yeah that seems like you're not going to forget that you it know? rips it like it rips your heart out when you see it happen because especially like these these guys have been inseparable these guys have been brothers like literally the entire series they have been brothers they have had each other's backs through and through and through and through and then shane gets convinced that lem's gonna flip and blows him up it's so man mm. it's so heartbreaking oh that's wow. it lem from the shield that's my number Liam, one the shield your number one good list man my number one is stupid <laughs> <laughs> I watched a lot of when I was stoned. Another comedy. Wow. Kenny McCormick from South Park. Oh, man. I mean, dude. <laughs> I really thought about putting it in here as a gag. But. Yeah. I mean, talk about dying on camera every fucking episode, almost. <laughs> I was just pulling up the Wikipedia page to see 126 times this character's died. In an episode. Which probably um, doesn't seem like that many, like, as long as South Park's been on the air now. <laughs> That's true, actually. Because didn't they stop killing them off for a while? Did they even do that anymore? I, I haven't watched South Park in a while. I don't know if they do that anymore. Yeah, they stopped doing it. Yeah, they stopped doing it, like, season six or seven. Like, he yeah. didn't die in every episode after the he first six seasons, <laughs> <He> but... <laughs> That was like the whole. That was the whole. The, like the whole clutch of the show, right? Was like you yeah. gotta. You gotta find out how they're gonna kill Kenny today. Yeah, I mean the end of every episode. Oh my god, they killed Kenny! <laughs> you bastards! And it was like you know every week you're just like laughing as you're stoned on your couch. You know? <laughs> like he died again. <laughs> you know, fucking pass the bong. And sometimes it would be gruesome, you know, he'd get decapitated, like fucking rats on his skull and shit. <laughs> sometimes, you know. It was just the best. Um, there's actually an episode called Kenny Dies where he develops muscular dystrophy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's um, it's just memorable, man, for me at that point in my life. I mean, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone just created something that just hit me at the right time. You know what I mean? Yeah, where yeah, I was, yeah. like I said, I was smoking weed, I was in college, like. Early South it, Park was great for that, man. Yeah, like that so was good, such dude. a great so escape. It, it it literally it was that it was that TV show, especially when it came out. It didn't give a fuck. Like it went after <laughs> exactly. everyone and everything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I had to put it on here, man. I mean, I just had such fond memories of the show, and you know, it's it was one of my favorites for easily like a five year period when I was in college. And yeah. uh, Kenny dying every every episode just <laughs> crack, cracks me up to this day. <laughs> <laughs> and it just shows that like kind of childlike you know shtick that cartoons will have anyway where like they're not human you know wily coyote falling off you know a thousand foot cliff and living yep, 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 you yep, know yep. shit like that so yeah it kind of played on that a little bit too but yeah just so memorable so funny and i have such great nostalgia for the show so south park's kenny is my number one there we go mr nick haskins i'll tell you what man Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to give our honorable mentions. I'm going to force you to give five or I'm less. I'm going to give seven. And I also have five. You can <laughs> give seven if you want to. You're a special person. And then, we'll, and then we'll shout out the fans over online and see what they had to say. Everybody sit tight. We're coming right back.
Yeah, baby. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there is a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes, just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. Welcome back, guys. As I said, pre-break, my buddy Nick from Nikolai's Kitchen and live stream for the Cure is in the house. Yep, yep. Back on two peas, and we just gave you our top five TV on-screen deaths. Nick, remind them what your five were. Just run through them five to one again real quick, buddy. I had Poussey from Orange is the New Black at number five. I had Locke from Lost at number four. Hank in Breaking Bad, number three. Howard Hamlin in Better Call Saul, number two. And number one, Curtis Lem Lemansky from The Shield. Nice, brother. I can't believe. Well, I guess I can't believe no crossover. I mean, there's like a million TV deaths, so I guess that's not too surprising. Plus, yeah. you haven't seen any of my and shows. We both South talked Park. about, yeah, how how few of the TV shows like in our research yeah. that each of us had seen. So it makes sense that we wouldn't have it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My number five was Ned Stark from Game of Thrones. My number four was Rita Morgan from Dexter. My number three was Susan Ross from Seinfeld. My number two was Big Pussy from The Sopranos. And my number one was Kenny from South Park. There you go. Uh, let's give some honorable mentions, man. What did you have over there that didn't quite crack your top five? Well, <laughs> <laughs> so I told you I had a lot of trouble picking from from baking 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 what? bad. It's uh, <laughs> about a baker who decides Actually, to is that that has to be out. Somebody has to have made baking pro- bad. At probably, this point. but yeah. I, I had a lot of trouble picking the death I wanted to pick from Breaking Bad. So. I threw all the other ones that I wanted in the honorable mentions. We're talking Gus Fring, like you mentioned. I know that's coming up on your honorables. Andrea, Jesse's girlfriend, when they fucking execute her. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jessica Jones, right? Uh, no, that was Jane, who is oh, also on my Jane. list. She's that's the one, one that uh, chokes on her own vomit because she's a heroin addict. That's right. Yep. And then uh, and then Gail, when uh, when Jesse executes Gail basically to you know protect he and Walt's position in in Gus's uh Gus's eyes yeah so that way they don't uh, they don't replace them so they can keep cooking so I kind of lumped all those together in at my six they're all really memorable and they're all deaths that completely changed the course of the show when they happened for one reason or another mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh yeah I also had and I I didn't put this on the list number 1 cuz it didn't fit but number 2 I can't remember if she dies on screen or not but Gerald you ever watch 24 back in the day? No my no my folks did I never got into it. So like the first season of 24 Jack Bauer saves the world saves President Palmer while well, he's not the president yet Senator Palmer you know thwarts all the terrorist plots and all this different stuff and you know then he gets back to ctu at the end of a long 24-hour day only to find out that nina myers the mole inside of ctu killed his wife (laughs) oh wow (laughs) can't remember if she dies on screen though so i didn't include it but that one is on my honorables i also i know he doesn't die on screen so i didn't include it but i included it as a gag anyway uh little sebastian from parks (laughs) hey nice dude i love that mention that's Gotta good. put him in there. And That's then my good. last one was, uh, of course, not Penny's boat. 
Charlie from Lost. Like, uh, that was the other one that was just heart-wrenching to watch when it happened. All right, well, I'll run through mine real quick. Uh, you didn't mention any of them with the exception of Hank from Breaking Bad, which you already talked about. I also had Janice Moss from a TV show on HBO called Barry that stars um, Bill Hader. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in season two, uh, Henry Winkler is his acting coach and like his friend or whatever. And Henry Winkler happens to be dating the detective that is investigating the murders that Barry's responsible for. Tisk, and tisk. they're and they're at a dinner party at her house at like her cabin or whatever when Detective Moss realizes that it's Barry. That's the one that's been doing it. Like there's a tell. I can't remember. Like he makes a comment that only mm. the killer would know. And she she just kind of has an epiphany like it's this guy. And then he knows that she knows. So yeah. that night, and they're both kind of like having this like silent standoff. And that night when everybody goes to bed, Barry kills her and drops her in the lake behind her own cabin because he, he knows if he didn't that he was going to prison. So gruesome. Um, and Barry's like one of those anti-heroes like Dexter. It's like you pull for the guy, but in, in the back of your mind, you're going, man, this guy's a dick. <laughs> He's just fucking killing everybody. You know what I mean? But it's Bill Hader. So it's like, what do you do? I mean, you, know, you love him. Yeah. I uh, oh. also had uh, Christopher Maltesani from The Sopranos, Michael Imperioli's death when Tony shockingly killed him after a, a car accident. And Chris is kind of unconscious and... Tony just holds his nose and mouth to suffocate him, and he dies. Wow. He makes it look like the you know he died in a car accident. Damn. Uh, Zoe Barnes from House of Cards. Did you ever watch Good House one. of Cards? Good one. I almost yeah, put it on the list, but man, what a great death that is, dude. That was a sh- that was a shocking. Comes one. right I mean, out of nowhere too. I mean, yeah. literally out of nowhere. You're like, whoa, what the fuck? Yep. Like it, it was one of those deaths. Like if you had turned away for like two seconds, you would have missed it. You know? Yep, exactly. Yeah, uh, great we, one. Just on the front of the train there. And I uh, got Helen Pierce from Ozark. Did you ever watch Ozark? No, didn't watch Ozark. So Helen Pierce is kind of the right-hand man to the Colombian drug lord that the that they're, the birds are working for. And they go over there, and they're, they get off the plane, and Helen Pierce is kind of escorting them up to the big like mob boss or whatever. And one of his minions, like they're all just like happily walking up to say hello to him. And one of the um, drug lords, like minions, pulls out his gun and just point blank range blows her head off, yeah. and like and like the blood and and like brains and everything get all over Marty and Wendy the birds. Damn. And so it's kind of symbolic about you know like blood has been on their hands the whole show and like I don't know it's just really it was a really jarring like I kind of thought Helen might die but I just you didn't expect it in that moment they just really brought it out of nowhere and Damn. then uh, and then my number. <laughs> I think I think that was it. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was my 10. So there you go. All right, so we wrap up every episode by heading over to social media, Nick, and seeing what the fans had to say over in the old suggestion box, buddy. So let's do that. As I said, uh, what are some of the best on-screen TV deaths? I just put it up today, but we did get quite a bit of feedback, so let's see. David Powell, patron and friend of the show, says Henry Blake from MASH. That's kind of before my I time. Not I mean, I've remember seen, that far back. No. Yeah, I've seen episodes, but I don't know that that would have impacted me because it was before my time. Uh, Jared Taylor, patron in front of the show. You know that guy. Love that guy. Human form. Love you, man. Yeah, dude. He says Henry Blake also from MASH. He also says Kenny from South Park. Yes. <laughs> yes. And he also says Susan from Seinfeld. See, there wow. we go. And Chris Yanni just says they killed Kenny. Those bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I love those guys. Another patron, Joey, says, JFK, wait a minute, is that too soon? 
<laughs> and he says, uh, Marvin Erickson, who was Marshall's dad on How I Met Your Mother. Did you ever watch that one? No. I do remember that, though. That was a really, that was really sad. That was the guy that played, um, oh, God, he was on Coach. He was the, and he, the voice of Patrick on SpongeBob. Oh, oh yeah, I, I know um, who you're talking God, what's his name? Yeah. can't remember his name. I can't either. But anyway, he played the dad. Bill Fargabot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, Josh Raglan, patron in front of the show, says Charlie on Lost. Yeah. Said it was shocking and poignant. Oh. And he also says Glenn on The Walking Dead, which is a show that I did not uh, watch past the first two or two seasons. So, but I did love Walking Dead. I know that's a very zeitgeisty like TV kill. When I Glenn, watched. Um, I liked the first yeah. episode of The Walking Dead. Every episode afterward sucked. Like, oh wow! I know a lot of people have fallen off of it lately and say it sucks. Now it's always sucked, guys. There you go. <laughs> it's always <laughs> been heard, bad. You heard it here first. Uh, John Campbell says Opie in Sons of Anarchy and Hodor on Game of Thrones. Rebecca also shouted out Hodor when we were making our uh, when we were making yeah. our list, and she was like, "It was really sad." I'm like, "I have no frame of reference for that." Yeah, <laughs> hold hold the door, hold the door. Uh, that was a memorable one. Um, let's see. Dan Brennick also says Zoe Barnes. You know that guy from House yeah, of yeah. Cards. So good pick. Uh, Julio from the Contrarians. He says Nate in Six Feet Under, Jon Snow on Game of Thrones, and Carl in The Walking Dead. Uh, Jon Snow lives, <laughs> so I didn't put him on my list. Um, that was really annoying. He died. It was like the cliffhanger at the end of that season, and he died. And then in the like first episode of the next season, they bring him back to life. So I'm going to call your shit on that one, Julio. Um, let's see. Chris Shaney says, uh, what the hell is he saying? He says, oh, he's talking about The Walking Dead. He says, Glenn's death was more impactful than Carl's death. Let's see. David Powell, patron in front of the show, says, Quentin from The Magicians, which is not a show I'm familiar with. What about you? Some Australian show, probably. <laughs> the Magia, yeah, right? Uh, Joy Summers and Buffy. That was a good one. That's her mom. I think that's her mom. If that's what I'm thinking of. Never saw Buffy. Uh, Hank Strader or Gus in Breaking Bad. Glenn, yep. Glenn in The Walking Dead and Charlie in Lost. Yep. Those were those were Davids. And then our buddy Brad Hargis. How about this? He's got Chef in South Park. <laughs> <laughs> Maud Flanders on The Simpsons. Almost and, put Maud on my honorable mentions just because it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he says all the times that Morty died on Rick and Morty. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Joey DeCarlos, of course, said Lim on the shield. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Th- I don't think he knew you were going to be in the episode. So that's cool. Uh, Dan Roski, uh, top tier patron of the show says Tara from sons of anarchy, Phil Leotardo from the Sopranos, which was a very, a very memorable one. And, uh, he, oh, she's also got Janice Moss from Barry, uh, Snoop on the wire and Vinny in welcome back Cotter. And then he says, I wish <laughs> he's not, he's not a very big, uh, John Travolta fan. Anytime Ooh. we bring up deaths on the show, he's always trying to insert John Travolta's <laughs> death. And I'm like, he's still alive, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh god um all right man so nick that was it dude we we just did it we did our top five on-screen tv deaths it was a blast to have you here man thanks so much for joining me for this episode i forgot what you said go back and do your whole list all over again all of it all right so let's start at the top you ready <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh tell them where they can find you man where can they find nikolai's kitchen and look you up buddy uh take some time to be kind to yourself today and spread a little bit of goodness and kindness in the world if you want to find me you will uh i don't plug my show uh just because 
I don't. Just uh, you they know, just be kind to, to yourselves. Smell, they just have to smell the aromas or smell the aromas. You. But yeah, yeah just just be kind to yourselves. You know, take take some time to be kind to yourself and, and spread a little goodness and positivity out into the world. Like I said earlier, uh, the world needs the world needs more of it. The world needs uh, needs as much of it as possible. Don't tear people down. Build people up. Without a doubt, brother. Uh, give my best to Rebecca, and it's always a blast to talk to you as well, man. Thanks so much for being here. Hell yeah, brother. You know I love you. You know I'll come back anytime. Absolutely, man. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week. We will see you next week. Until then, everybody take care. I'm on the pursuit of happiness, and I know everything is shining on me. You know about dreaming, dreaming, 